invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, a very, very familiar passage of Scripture. <coughs> this morning we're having a, uh, a, a review a review of something that's very basic and very um, essential to the to the Christian life. And one of the things about learning that I remember from studying how how students learn from my from my school teacher days is that review is important and that it's helpful in nailing down in our minds and refreshing in our minds important things, important facts, important truths. And different ones of the, uh, of the writers in the Scripture also refer to, you know, it's important that we're reminded. This is a reminder, and it's basic things like uh, if we were going to school, it might be almost uh, the alphabet or counting from one to a, a hundred or something. It's, it's that, that basic and really that simple. But let's read the uh, first number of verses from Luke 11. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? And if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father Give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him. <clears throat> I 
outstanding men of God throughout the course of history, throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament. They, one characteristic that you find among them, and that is that they prayed. They brought their petitions to God. Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for fifty righteous that are therein? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Abraham interceding for Lot down there in Sodom. He had a love for Lot, a burden for him. He was concerned for him. And he was bringing that to God. Abraham's servant said in prayer, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. Abraham's servant, Eliezer, was sent to uh, find a wife for Isaac and he was praying to God for help and discernment that somehow, not just a pretty girl, but God, who, are you, who have you chosen for, for Isaac? Who would be the best wife for Isaac? And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, I have found, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight. Moses, praying for God's presence and his help after being given this assignment of being the leader for the children of Israel and leading them to the promised land. Samuel was uh, asked by the children of Israel to, uh, to pray for them. <clears throat> And they, the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And so Samuel uh, made an offering of a young lamb to the Lord, and he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord heard him. And this was... Uh, this was after the uh, children of Israel had had repented and and returned to the Lord with all their hearts as Samuel petitioned them and they gathered and had a special service and the and the Philistines were alarmed that the uh, Israelites were gathering and so they came threatening the children of Israel but God delivered them Samuel prayed Elisha prayed for the Shumanite woman's deceased child. He, he went into the room where the child lay dead and shut the door upon them twain and prayed 
unto the Lord. And the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus taught them about prayer. But first, Jesus was an example of prayer that they surely must have noticed. Just in the, uh, in the Gospel of Luke, in the third chapter, at the time of Jesus' baptism, Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. While he was still praying, he was praying while he was baptized. I don't know if people noticed that or not, but he was praying, Luke says. And in Luke 5, he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. He had a great ministry. He had an important work. He withdrew himself and prayed. In Luke 6, and it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And in Luke 9, and it came to pass as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him and he asked them saying, what, shall, what do the people say I am? But he was alone praying with his disciples. And later in that chapter, uh, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray on the Mount of Transfiguration. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered and his raiment was white and glistering there in the very presence of God. And Jesus would teach us to pray. He taught the disciples to pray. And there are uh, two lessons that I want to emphasize this morning about prayer. And one is know the Father, and the second is ask the Father. Know the Heavenly Father to whom you pray. He taught us to pray our Father, which art in heaven. Prayer is not chanting some magic words or somehow by saying certain things in certain ways that there are, there's, there's an effect. I, I remember back when uh, Alvy was killed that somebody came out, a farmer came out, a Catholic farmer came out to the farm that evening. Daddy had been with Alvy in the wreck, and Alvy was killed, and Daddy survived. Daddy was in the hospital, and this farmer was coming to talk to Daddy about about silo filling. It was in July, I think, later that summer. And we told him what had happened, and he said, "We should say an extra prayer tonight for Alvy." and your father. Now, I'm not saying that man wasn't a Christian, but I, I know how the Hail Marys and the rosaries work, and it can be just a chant. But prayer to God, real prayer, that Jesus is teaching here, is first fellowship. Jesus pointed the disciples to God, our Father, 
which art in heaven. So who is this heavenly father? What are some things we can know that we must know about him? One is that he is holy. The heavenly father is holy. Hallowed be thy name. May your name be kept holy and revered and honored, never taken in vain. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the, the heart of the contrite ones. The heavenly father is holy and we must approach him in holiness. The heavenly father is fatherly. To convey to us as mortals here on the earth God's character, God referred to parents in the Psalms. Psalm 103, 13, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. In Isaiah 49, verse 15, Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. As one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you, and ye shall be comforted in Jerusalem. A parent, a mother, the compassion of a mother. Parents normally care for their children. It's expected, it's normal. There are exceptions, yes. But normally, parents love their children. They want good things for their children. They care about them. And Jesus said in his teaching here, uh, if a son asks bread, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts, parents want to give good gifts to their children. How much more shall your heavenly father give good gifts. And if ye being evil, you know, at best, we have shortcomings, we have weaknesses, we have limitations, but we want to give the best. We want the best for our children. And how much more than earthly parents is God? He is fatherly. And the heavenly father is wise. He is all knowing. He knows our needs. He knows our circumstances. There's no uncertainty. There's no confusion. There's no wondering. He knows. There are no errors on his part. No misjudgment. Another story, another memory I have of my dad was kneeling on the floor beside Mary Sue and we were just little. I don't think we were even going to school. And he apologized to her for giving her a spanking for something that she had not done. He had misunderstood. And, but I remember him apologizing and saying he was sorry to her. God doesn't need to apologize. He doesn't make mistakes. 
the Heavenly Father is loving, his motives are perfect and selfless and without blemish. In Hebrews 12, for they, speaking of earthly parents, verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that he might be, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Our fathers corrected us while we were children as they thought best, as they thought proper, as best they knew how. We can discipline our children out of irritation. We may give a gift out of pride, not the Father. The Heavenly Father is able. He is all-powerful. And it shall be given. That's what the promise is. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Parents may see what is needed. They see something that is needed, but not have the ability, the wherewithal to meet the need. Finances, circumstances, skills, the wills of others, whatever. God is able. God's power is without limit. The Heavenly Father is approachable. He has invited us to ask and seek and knock. He is encouraging us to feel free to come. We're encouraged to be persistent in this passage and that we will find grace to help in time of need from Hebrews 4, verse 16. And the Heavenly Father is generous. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. He doesn't scorn any sincere request. He never scolds for laughing, for asking, nor laughs. We have a wonderful Heavenly Father. Know the Father. Know the Father. We know, we, as we know the Father, we learn to know He's approachable. We learn to know He's able. We learn to know His promises, His kindness, His generosity, His care for us. And He encourages us to ask, which is, the second lesson, ask the Heavenly Father. And I say unto you, ask. We just saw there in Luke 11. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. 
Ask and it shall be given. Not sold, not leased, not loaned, but he says given. And seek, pursue, desire entrance, knock, and do so persistently, he says. Be patient, don't give up. He will rise and give as many as he needeth, we saw here. Those are powerful promises for the Christian. And it's a promise. These are promises from the Heavenly Father. It's a promise that we approach God thoughtfully and reverently. Selfish prayers are ineffective. They're powerless prayers. These promises are not blank checks. They're not uh, preloaded credit cards that one can draw upon for whatever one wishes. Ye ask and receive not, James wrote in chapter 4, verse 3, because ye ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. And there are things in our hearts, in our lives, that, that will hinder our prayers, even if we're concerned about something. There may be sin in our heart. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If we have an unforgiving attitude when God doesn't hear us, When you stand praying, forgive if ye have aught against any. If we have, uh, if we're not getting along well in our family, likewise ye husbands dwell with them, the wives according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife and so forth, that your hair, prayers be not hindered. And we must ask in faith. When we say, Our Father, which art in heaven, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're delighting in the Father. We're worshiping the Father and His Son. And we want what God wants. What does God want? John 17 uh, shows us some of what God wants. And if we are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then John 17 would, would show us some of the things that God wants for us. In verse 3, and this is life eternal. These are from God's prayer or Jesus' prayer. And this is life eternal that they may know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And we notice that often in Paul's prayer, that you may know God, that ye may know God. In verse 11, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, 
that they may be one as we are one. Protect, protection, spiritual protection. Unity. In verse 15, that thou shouldst keep them from the evil one. Sanctify them through thy truth, growing in holiness. Verse 17, unity again in verse 21, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. I in them, and thou in me, that, thou, that they may be, be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me. In verse 24, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. Some of the, some of the a burden of Jesus in his prayer. He invites us to pray not only for high and lofty things, but also about the everyday issues of life on earth. First Peter 5, verses 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. We, we can have a tendency to figure things out ourselves or that it's too little to a matter to bring to God. But he says, humble yourself. You need God. Acknowledge that you need God. Kneel before the heavenly Father, our Father, which, is, which art in heaven, and ask him, Ask him about all your cares, the whole of your troubles. Uh, one one, uh, one uh, commentator translated it this way. It is a care to him. He careth for you. It is a care to him. What we are burdened about is a care to him. Remember, he's tracking every hair. The Amplified says that verse this, this way, uh, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, on Him. For He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. And many of our cares, many of our concerns are for other people too, not just ourselves and our personal needs. Abraham was praying for Lot. Elisha was praying for the Shumanite woman's child. And they didn't just say, uh, Lot, or rather Abraham didn't just say, well, Lot got himself into this and we'll just let him do the best he can. And these other characters that we that we noticed, um, Eliezer, when he was there 
looking for a wife uh, for Isaac. He didn't uh, say, well, let me come up with a questionnaire and let's have, or let's have a beauty contest or let's have a talent show or something and I'll just pick out what seems to be what looks the best to me. He went to the Lord. Moses, he was a talented man. He had been to school in Egypt and he had learned a lot. But when it came to this job of leading the people of Israel, he humbled himself, said, God, I need your help. I need your help before I can go another step with these people. Samuel knew he needed the Lord. He knew that his people needed the Lord. So we come to the Lord for ourselves, for our families, for our children, our companions, for our brothers and sisters in the church. We pray for the church. We pray for our neighbors. We pray for missionaries. We pray for people with needs. And if we pray and it's silent, we pray and it's silent and nothing seems to change. Nothing seems to be happening. We've searched our hearts and we've cleared our consciences and we are earnest as earnest as we know how to be and as sincere as we know how to be and nothing seems to be happening. Don't despair. Know this, something is happening. Something is happening, number one, to you. If you're praying, if you're earnest, and if you're sincere, Something is happening to you. Something that God wants to see, that God likes to see. You are learning to know God. You're having communion with God. Something is happening in other places too. We don't know what. We do know this. We do know this, that God gives good gifts. You know, sometimes we ask in, in, this, in the example that Jesus gave here, uh, you know, a father wouldn't give a stone to somebody who asked for a fish, I'm sorry, a stone for bread or a fish, a serpent for fish or a scorpion for an egg. But sometimes in our praying, sometimes we may be asking for a scorpion or a stone or a serpent. Maybe not even something, you know, harmful, but something that is less than the best. I was blessed with our prayer request today. God blessed our brother Eric and Joanne. And I know many of you have prayed similar prayers. God, what you want. What is best. But in ways that we can't see, maybe a prayer will be answered after we're gone. Maybe a prayer is answered and we don't find out. 
Let's not be discouraged. Something is happening within the framework of God's knowledge and God's purpose when we pray. James 5.16 says this, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's the way the King James says it. The Amplified says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. The English Standard Version says the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Uh, the Net Bible says the prayer of a righteous man has of a righteous person has great effectiveness and in a translation note is very powerful in its working. The New, uh, New American Standard says the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. No prayer, no power. This, this passage that we looked at encourages us that with prayer, there is power. The verse from James, with prayer, when we know God, when we humble ourselves and come before God in sincerity, in holiness, God hears, God works. He works in our hearts. He works in, our, in the situations that we're burdened about. When you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven. 